welcome to the Embrace Your Light podcast. We are your hosts, Rebecca Lyons and Daniel Massey. And every week, we are going to take you on a journey filled with spiritual exploration, inspiration, and expansion. Each week, we will guide you down the path of ancient spiritual wisdom and new age enlightenment from some incredible guides so that you can continue your spiritual journey with ease, grace, and a little bit of fun. So today on the podcast, we have the amazing Ashley Easter. She's a cult survivor turned intuition master who helps women stop the self-doubt and harness their intuition so they can take control of their destiny by becoming intuitive AF. She is the CEO of Intuition Mastery, a six-week course to help you become an intuition master. So Ashley, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I have been looking forward to this for weeks now, and I am just so glad the day has finally come. <laughs> Yay. I wish you guys could see Ashley is the most beautiful mm-hmm. backdrop behind her. I'm going to try yes. to put this on the Instagram so that people can. Yes. See okay. <laughs> this deserves to be seen. It does deserve <laughs> to be seen. <laughs> so pretty. <laughs> Thank you. Your husband's super talented. Tell him I said so. Um, I will tell him. (laughs) We'll leave all that stuff aside now that I'm done gawking over it. Tell us about intuition. Like, why is that your thing? Yeah, absolutely. So before I tell you why intuition is my thing, um, let me share a little bit about my experience in the cult, because that is really where I first began to discover my intuition. Is that okay if we back up to there? Absolutely. Okay, cool. So I will try to make this short kind of a nutshell version. I'll explain some different terms because as is with most cults, we have our own kind of insider language. And so (laughs) I'll try to explain things as I go. And then afterwards, feel free to ask questions or anything like that, because I realized to others on the outside, this is a bit strange. And honestly, it was strange inside of it, too. Um, Yes. So I grew up in an independent fundamentalist Baptist church in the U.S. And there are many different types of Baptists. So You know, if you identify as Christian and Baptist, it could be a completely different type than what I grew up with. So I just want to kind of put that disclaimer out there. But in our church, it was extremely rigid, the beliefs that they had, particularly roles for men and women. And, you know, just the culture of like not going to movie theaters um, because, ooh, those could be perceived as, you know, you're going to see a bad movie uh, to just a lot of the controlling ideology that they taught um, in this church community. But inside of that church community, there were, you know, obviously different families who attended this church. And our family um, was a homeschool family. And actually, my grandfather was one of the pastors of the church. Both of my grandfathers on both sides were pastors of different churches and different places, but we attended just the one growing up. And homeschooling can be a really great choice for a lot of people. I know that um, Olympic athletes often use homeschooling so they can really hone their craft. I know during the pandemic, a lot of families have had to school their children at home. So there's many different reasons to homeschool. So I'm not knocking it all down. But in our homeschool community, there were these small little bubbles inside of it with different belief systems. And one of those belief systems was called the patriarchy movement. 
And so like just right out of the gate, when you call yourselves the patriarchy movement, like you're probably going to have some problems. <laughs> and it's just what it sounded like. It was about adherence to the patriarchy. Women were to be submissive to men in the home, in the church, and sometimes even in society. A man's role was to be empower and control over women and children and really to guide and direct the family. And a woman's job was pretty much to get married young, say yes to sex and have a lot of babies, which led us into kind of the next part of the movement. So you've got this Baptist church that I was in, then inside of that, the homeschooling movement, and then inside of that, the patriarchy homeschool movement. And inside of that, it's kind of like those... Um, Russian nesting dolls, you know how they keep like stacking inside of each other. Um, inside the patriarchy movement was something called the quiverful movement. And they took this verse out of Psalms in the Christian Bible that says something like children are like arrows and a mighty man's quiver. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. So they took this quite literally to believe that a man who had lots of children, which were like arrows would be a blessed man and that the most the more children you could have the better and then you would shoot those children out into the world like arrows to have them sink into different sectors of society like the home church schools government media you know every sector of society you'd basically be dominating the world through overpopulation and all of those children from that population would have this patriarchal ideology, this way that they saw the world. And I remember as a teen girl listening to a lecture called the 200 year plan, which brought this even further. And it said, if you have 10 children and those 10 children have 10 children, those 10 children have 10 children and on and on for 200 years, you would have this astronomical amount of descendants and we could take over the world through overpopulation. And like there was a plan and there were families involved, you know, actually thousands of families across the country uh, in the US. And so that's what I grew up in. Um, the last little doll in that um, Russian doll nesting set <laughs> inside the patriarchy movement and the quiverful movement, the last little doll was the stay at home daughter movement. And that was this idea that if adult women are supposed to get married and submit to their husbands and have all these babies and like plug into this machine that's going to dominate the world, like what do we do with unmarried adult women? We can't have them just like running around, not submitting to anybody. So that would be a travesty. So let's just have them submit to their fathers. And so they are then given away in marriage to a man that they then perpetuate this nonsense with. And so that was really my ideology. That was my thought behind everything. I even wrote a blog to several thousand women called Stay at Home Daughter, teaching them how to adhere to the patriarchy, teaching them how to be submissive to their fathers and prepare to be submissive to their husbands. And um, I wrote a little book and just all of the things. But another part of this movement was um, there was a lot of abuse going on, different forms of abuse. And that's not really surprising with a movement like the patriarchy movement. <laughs> Most patriarchal settings have some overt abuse, if not just co covert. And so I experienced multiple things in that cult-like environment. I experienced a lot of control. My relationships were very controlled. And I ended up getting into a romantic relationship with a man that um, 
I then got engaged to and we were tracking down towards the wedding and we talked about, you know, all those 10 children and just all the things. And at some point, it just got so scary for me, the amount of control that he was showing towards me, which was even more than I was used to experiencing already in the cult, that I broke it off. And um, I went through what most people do when they leave an abusive relationship, the post-traumatic stress disorder, the PTSD panic attacks, suicidal thoughts, depression, um, just really, it wasn't so much that I wanted to die. It was just that life was so hard. It just felt so painful. And mind you, I was still in this cult-like environment. And the only time that I could really have alone time to process was if I stayed up late at night because I have several siblings and we lived in a smaller size home. I would wait up till like three or four in the morning just to be alone. It was hard for me to sleep because I would have nightmares about the abuse. It was hard to be awake because I would have panic thinking about it. So I would just put in my headphones, listen to music and just try to drown out the thoughts in my own mind and just blare that music in my ears. And that was really when a changing point happened for me. I was, I think, 20 at the time. I had broken off that relationship. I was in the darkest point of my life. And just being up late at night, finally blocking everyone else out, trying to block out my own thoughts. I wasn't trying to think of anything. I was trying to think of nothing. And all of a sudden, this voice came in which I now recognize as the voice of my intuition. And I felt it was almost like a presence, like a heaviness came over me. And it wasn't, it was weighty, but not in a bad way. It just felt like presence. And I heard this voice inside my head, something I promise you I did not conjure. I was not in the state of mind to conjure this consciously. And it said, it's gonna be okay something big, something good's about to happen. It's gonna be okay. Something big, something good is about to happen. And that was my sign that I needed to hang on, that it was gonna be okay. And something big, something good was about to happen. And shortly thereafter, um, there was a woman who briefly attended our church and was like, this is not for me. <laughs> um, she worked at a coffee shop and she invited me to visit her, went to the coffee shop. She introduced me to this guy that talked about equality for women. That led me to researching equality for women which completely changed my life, which led me to realizing that all the teaching teachings I had been taught inside the cult were really just lies to control me. And that led me to sneaking out and dating and sneaking out and going to the movie theater and learning swing dancing and just going wild, like, you know, listening to Taylor Swift wild, you know, just out, out of control. Um, and when I finally got that little bit of freedom, that little bit of space, even though I was still physically living in the cult, my mind has started to change. I was introduced to my now husband, Will Easter, and he's such an amazing person. I am a total feminist, and I'm also not afraid to say that he rescued me from that cult. We got married um, after only knowing each other for eight months. We were engaged. Um, we, we knew each other for four months, were then engaged for four months, and got married after a total of eight months. And he physically removed me from that environment, put me in a safe place. And from that space, that's when I began to realize what a big part intuition played in my life. And because I was still 
very um, tied to a lot of the religious language. I probably would have called it something different at the time, maybe Holy Spirit or, or something like that. But what I've now realized, um, that voice calling me out was intuition. And every time I've listened to it, whether it's taking a risk to leave a cult, taking a risk to marry a man that some people would say you hardly know, um, taking a risk to move states, taking a risk to start a nonprofit and have a sold out event the first year, taking a risk to start an intuition business, taking a risk to do so many things that have completely changed my life. Whenever I have followed my intuition, those risks have paid off in ways that I never could have imagined. And so now what I do is I teach people how to use their intuition for big situations. Like, you know, maybe you're breaking free from something. It doesn't have to be a cult. It could be something else. Um, maybe it's a big decision about your business or, or life, or it could just be, you know what? I'd really like to feel guided every day. Even when I pick out my avocados, I want to feel like there's guidance behind my every step. I help people with the little intuition bits and the big ones from a science and practice perspective. So in a nutshell, that's my story. And if you have any questions or if there was anything you need clarity on, I'm happy to go in more detail. <laughs> well, I'm dying to know. First off, I got goosebumps as you were telling that story. It's incredible and what you have done and how far you've come. But my first thought was how did everyone react when you left? Yeah, not good. Um, see, that's one of the things about a cult that makes it different from just a different, you know, just another group. When you leave just another group, there might be some people that are like, eh, I'm not really happy about this, but there's usually not the character assassination type of things. There's usually not the, um, hey, now they're kind of rebellious and walking in the way of the devil. It's more like, okay, we have a disagreement. Well, my family was not at all pleased. We had many, many hours worth of discussion trying to bring them on the same page. But ultimately, when I started publicly talking about some of my experiences, um, that was kind of a line in the sand moment. It was like, I'm no longer going to be quiet about what happened to me and what is happening. I'm going to talk about it. And they weren't pleased or thrilled with that. Um, because the thing about a cult, they always want to make themselves look good. And they don't ever believe that they're a cult, you know? <laughs> uh, nobody joins a cult because they're like, oh, I'm going to join a cult today. You join a cult because you're either born into it, like myself, or you join it because you like the community and you've really been convinced that this way of thinking and believing is true. Or you're at the very top where you're just controlling people. <laughs> That's also possible. I was wondering, like, when did you realize that you're in a cult? Yeah. So when I first began um, hearing those questions and ideas about equality for women, when I met that guy in the coffee shop, um, kind of a funny story there because, you know, I'm a pastor's granddaughter. I wrote this blog about women's submission. And when I told him about that, he was like, um, I actually identify as Christian, but I don't believe that stuff. And I was like, you know, I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to talk to you. Um, but he kept kind of um, just poking at me and he found me on Facebook and would ask these questions I didn't have answers to. And so I was like, oh, I've got to get this guy off my back. And um, homeschoolers are notoriously good debaters. That's a true stereotype. <laughs> um, and so I was like, if I'm going to get him off my back, we're going to have to have a debate. 
And I see the irony now, me trying to support women's submission while trying to prove a man wrong, did not see that irony at the time. <laughs> but I went into this deep study about equality for women and what that meant from uh, how it could be seen from a religious point of view, like you can believe in equality for women if you identify as Christian. Um, also looking at equality for women from like a social point of view, from like a safety point of view and seeing how equality for women is very much interconnected with keeping people safe from abuse and ending abuse. And so when I began to see those different connections, and then I started researching other women who'd had similar experiences to mine and hearing their stories and how they identified a cult and then looking up things like Stephen Hassan's website. He's one of the leading cult experts and he's got the bite model and going through all the different like thought control criteria and behavioral con control criteria and realizing, wow, you know, there's a lot of boxes that are checked um, for me and my experience of what technically is defined as a cult. So that research period when I was planning to debate this guy um, really changed my mind to the point where we never actually had the debate because the research convinced me <laughs> on its own. Yeah, it's wild how sometimes like the universe will just put the right people on our path. Like when your intuition reached out to you and said like, don't worry, everything's coming. And for the record, like my whole body just got chills now. Like oh, people mm -hmm. fall into our path for a reason. We yeah. have conversations that are supposed to spark something within us or just make us question our reality. And it's amazing that you did. And especially at the time that you did, because coming out of that abusive relationship, the trauma that you experienced from that, like let alone the trauma that you had been experiencing your entire life living in a cult, but to have it in such an intense way in that last period with that relationship, it must've been terrifying and it must've felt really isolating to go this, this group that I'm a part of is condoning the things that really hurt me. And I don't know what to do now. Yeah. We go to a hundred percent. No, it's that that's the thing. And that's why people stay in cults. You know, you ask people like, why didn't you leave sooner? Those types of things. It's because your whole community is built into this cult like structure. And by design, it's a very us against them mentality. So you're probably a little bit afraid of people on the outside. And even if you're not, you don't really know many people on the outside. So yes, when you step away, when you change your beliefs, even slightly, cults really like it to be strict black and white. If you change your beliefs even slightly, you can lose that entire sense of community. And that was terrifying for me. Um, and it was one of those things though, where when I started seeing the truth, I, I couldn't look away. Like when you start realizing this is wrong, I couldn't just shove it down for convenience sake because I knew I would be living a lie intentionally. And I just didn't feel like I could live with myself living a lie anymore that coupled with my intuition, continuing to guide me and say, you know, if you take these risks, it's gonna be all right. I'm gonna catch you on the other side. If I hadn't felt that intuitive nudge um, and didn't trust in that, yeah, I probably would have stayed because it would have been way too scary. You know, yeah. listening to you speak about the cult, it almost sounds like, um, just my background in psychology as a therapist, 
when people end up in relationships with those who have personality disorders, like I'm thinking about narcissism or antisocial, yeah. it looks a lot like this. It's almost like taking like a personality disorder and blowing it up to being a lot of people involved and making it that much harder because when one person isolates you and makes you feel like you have no one to go to and that you're crazy and everything is black and white, that is hard. But when a hundred people are doing that, that's debilitating. Yes, a hundred percent. I would say that, um, I guess it's individual abusive people are just like one drop in the bucket of a cult and cults tend to draw people or be created by people who are very much you know, seeking power and control to dominate others. And so those people at the top are the ones who create it. So those are the narcissists. Those are, you know, the sociopaths and, you know, people in those different sectors. Of course, a lot of them <laughs> don't go to therapy to get a formal diagnosis, but, you know. But they're going to um, be for themselves. Right, right. Mm -hmm. But then they pull in other people that maybe didn't um, initially have those tendencies, but because the stakes are so high that you could le lose your family, you could lose your job, you could lose your community, they start to fall in line, even if that wasn't like naturally what they would have gravitated towards. So yeah, it's, it's like a disease that just spreads over an entire group of people. Yeah. Do you ever have like moments now where like pinch me moments where you're like, I have so much freedom now and like, I can hear my intuition now. And like, what's that like? Mm, yes, yes. I think something that is really beautiful for me. And I think one of the questions you all had asked um, in the pre-form was like, what are some spiritual self-care tips? And the one that came to my mind answers this question perfectly. It's just being quiet and alone to yourself. Yes. <laughs> Number Don't one, know and I love being alone and being quiet. Yes, do. <laughs> yes, yes. And there's like two sides of it. So um, sometimes it's terrifying to be alone when you've always been around people. And it's scary to be with yourself because then you're really confronted with those thoughts. You're really confronted with yourself by yourself, not yourself being perceived by others or how you're trying to be perceived by others. So it's really a growth mentality. But then when you can kind of push past some of the uncomfortability of being alone and hearing your own voice constantly talking to you, um, then it actually turns into sort of a state of bliss. And you're like, wow, some of this stuff is really wise. And if I can sort out what is intuition and what is ego, I can really enjoy the space where nobody else is telling me what to think or what to do. And yeah, in those moments, I do pinch myself. <laughs> How did you, how do you find the difference between intuition and ego? Cause that's, I'd say that's probably one of the hardest things is because it's the same voice and you're like, well, which one is it? Like, is this mm. ego telling me to do this because I think that I should do this? Or is this my intuition telling me to do it? Because if I do it, I'm going to grow and I'm going to learn more life lessons. Like, how do you find out but like diff I can't I, I really want to say the word but I can't say the word differentiate anyone know differentiate there we go yes yes <laughs> how do you yeah. do that 
Yeah, this is this is something that I love to talk about and teach, and I will go over it here and now. But just for your listeners, I actually have a free toolkit called the Intuition versus Ego Toolkit that will like, you know, write all this stuff down. So maybe you all are taking notes, whoever's listening, um, or maybe you just want to check that out. But maybe we can put that in the show notes. But um, yeah, there's some really clear distinctions between intuition and ego, and when you understand them it's easy to tell the difference. But when you don't know this clear distinction, the ego loves to pretend that it's the voice of the intuition. So that's how things get confusing. So to really understand intuition versus ego, before we can talk about how that feels in the body, let's talk for a second about the science of intuition versus ego. So I really like to ground intuition into science because there's so many people talking about intuition this and that, and it's just all fluffy woo-woo. And hey, I love some fluffy woo-woo, but if it's not grounded down, like how do I know I can trust it? (laughs) This girl's had trust broken. (laughs) So I want to know I can can, you know, have something to stand behind with it. Um, yeah, so kind of the science of the brain, and this is a very simplified version. The brain is super complex, but you have the left side of the brain and the right side of the brain. And the left side of the brain is very analytical. It is very much about the processes. It's your conscious mind, the things that you are knowingly aware of. And um, this is the part of your brain where like if you're solving a math problem where you have to think back to, okay, when in school did I learn how to solve that math problem? Okay, now let me remember each of the steps. Now let me work the math problem. Now let me come to the answer. Okay, that's kind of how your logical mind works, not just for math, other things, but you're very aware of that process and you kind of have to be aware of the step-by-step-by-step happening. That's where your ego lives, okay? Your ego lives in that side of your brain. Your ego isn't always bad. I don't believe in trying to eradicate the ego. It's just like a small child who has a limited perspective, um, which we'll get into in just a second. But um, that's kind of where the ego lives. Now, the intuition is on the right side of your brain. That's where your subconscious mind is and the information happening below the surface. That subconscious mind has access to all kinds of data points that your conscious mind isn't aware of. Data points like... um, past memories that your conscious mind can't remember anymore, fetal memories, DNA memories from epigenetics, um, energy imprints that is picked up on so, so, so many other things. And your intuition stores all of those sort of like a computer hard drive. Below the surface, it's there, but if you want it, you've got to try to pull it out, you know, with your conscious mind. Okay, so that's where your intuition is housed. And it actually goes through a very similar analytical process to solving that math problem with your conscious mind, but it does it under the surface. It does it much more quickly. It does um, the research and gives you the answer within one to three seconds. Science calls it rapid cognition. I call it intuition. Other different religious religious movements, spiritual communities might call it something else, but that that um, little voice that pops up in the one to three seconds from your subconscious mind, that's your intuition. And you can know that you can trust your intuition because it has access to so many more data points than your conscious mind 
where your ego is housed, it doesn't have access to any of that stuff. So it's trying to give you good answers, but maybe it forgot one of the steps to the math problem. And so it did its best, but your answer isn't correct. Or maybe it remembered all the steps, but it forgot to carry the one, or maybe you're dyslexic like me and it flipped, you know, a six into a nine, you know, whatever. There, problems can happen there. And so it's important to pay attention to your ego, um, but your intuition is much more accurate. Okay, so here's how you tell the difference in the feelings of your body, okay? The ego, because it has a limited perspective, is always coming from a fear and playing small mentality. It wants you to stay small, it wants you to play safe because it doesn't realize how expansive your life could be if you step outside the box. So it's gonna hit you with fear, with anxiety, with racing thoughts, with should I do this, should I do that? It's gonna hit you with this hyper energy and kind of these you know spiraling thoughts that are kind of getting out of control, okay? That's gonna be what your ego sounds like and that's how it's gonna feel in your body. Your intuition, on the other hand, because it has such a wider perspective, it's gonna come up to you with, it's gonna come to you quickly within that one to three seconds. And it's gonna come from a place of love. It's gonna come from a place of expansion, calmness, clarity. It's not gonna change its mind, whereas the ego might be, yeah, do it, no, don't do it. Yeah, do it, don't do it. Your intuition is gonna be like, straight away, this is a step, or this is not the step. It's gonna be calm, cool, collected, very clear and it's going to come from a place of love and expansion because it sees the whole picture so that's kind of how you can tell the difference and feel it in your body and in my intuition versus ego kit i kind of break down those definitions so you can see it i kind of put them side by side so you can compare the different feelings and when you can learn what the different feelings feel like you can begin to identify if that voice coming up is coming from a place of fear or if it's coming from a place of love and expansion. And that's how you can make your decision as to whether you should follow and trust that voice or not. That was a really good breakdown. So thank you. And you know, I love the science stuff. So you're speaking my language. This is awesome. <laughs> I feel like I feel like everybody in spirituality should understand why. Like there's faith and we should all have faith and we should just trust the universe in certain things. But when information is available to us and we can understand more of how it works, why not find out everything about it? Because then it's so much more like you feel it in your body. Like when mm -hmm. your intuition is talking, you're so grounded into it because you know how it's working and you yes. know how it's supposed to feel. And it just, it, everything is right, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. And I think that's a danger when we see, whether it's a new age spiritual community or, you know, really any spiritual community, when the dogma, when the ideas start to be the thing that matters versus like why it matters, you know, why this works, when the ritual starts to become the thing versus why you're doing the ritual. And that's when we really get into very controlling type groups because you have to follow these steps and do these things in this order, follow this leader. But when you are really tapped in and tuned into your intuition and you can trust yourself, when you're really seeking the science behind things that it can be grounded on, you don't need a leader outside of you telling you what to do with your life. 
and it's really a protection against cults, which can happen in, you know, traditional religious communities. And I've also seen them in some of the new age religious communities. I mean, they're a dime a dozen around here too. Um, yeah. And anytime we're giving our power away to a guru, anytime we're like dropping everything that we know and trusting in somebody else entirely, that should be putting up all the warning signs, all the red mm -hmm. flags where it's like, no, run away. Don't do this. Because then it's like, we're, it's like an external locus of control. Instead of having the power within us, we're giving it to somebody else on a silver platter. Like just take it right. what to do with my and life. It's not going to work. Right. Mm -hmm. And the end of the day, it's not going to work the way that you think it is because it's unless you do it your own way. Like, mm -hmm. and I think that's what we're all finding out now We're we're finally seeing like, Oh, okay. I can't, like I've been guilty of it in the past. I've done certain courses or worked with people thinking, oh, they're going to fix me. They're going to tell me how to do this. They're going to make it all better. And it just doesn't work out like that. And then I'm like, why didn't they, why didn't it work out? Or like, oh, I'm so stupid. I, it's my fault. And it's just that it's got to come from you and you. And, and like, this is something I always say now. I'm like, everyone has different traumas, experiences, lifestyles everything is so unique to them that it's never going to be one size fits all so like why not just get the answers from yourself it's so true yes yes definitely definitely and i think that's a tool that a lot of times people use in whether it's sales tactics or whether it's in church environments or you know whatever it is they tell you that if you're not if you're following the steps that they give you and it's not working for you then something's wrong with you instead of <laughs> maybe you should be listening to yourself and yes there's some core universal truths but outside of those it's very individualistic and trusting yourself is how you're going to get there i 100 percent agree with what you're saying this is so validating for me because I haven't made this announcement in sort of like my bigger business, but amongst the alumni of my Create Your Light Academy, I launched a business program and it mm. looks nothing like anything you've ever seen before because I think most business programs are bullshit because it's exactly that. It's like, follow yes. these, these things and then you're going to be successful. And I have a really high success rate. So if you're not successful, you're the problem. And that's all bullshit. And so the thing that I'm doing and everyone that I signed up for it, I was like, I'm not gonna lie to you. I don't know what we're gonna do because I don't know what's best that. for your business you do. I, I can't tell you that. Yeah. Like our sales calls are like- This is not cookie cutter. Yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> help you figure out how to figure yourself out. I'm gonna just hold the container for you to go deep in and you're gonna get the answers and you're gonna know what it is that you have to do. And you're gonna know how your message needs to go out and just like fuck all the rest of that stuff because yeah. that is just trash. All the other stuff is trash. Yeah, absolutely. And just imagine the freedom, like when you don't have to listen to anybody else. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't get, you know, good advice. I'm not saying there's no room for professional help. You know, that's not what I'm talking about, but think of the freedom and peace you could have in your life when you have the answers and you can just trust and feel confident in that. And that's, that's why I teach intuition to my students, because it's like, once you unlock your unlimited potential because you can trust yourself to make your own decisions like life is decisions and so if you can make them from a place of confidence when you can understand the science and you know scientifically proven practices 
to have that inner guidance system, like there's nothing that can stop you. You can do whatever the hell you want. So true. I mean, even just listening to your story about getting out of the cult, it was like that first time you, you felt that voice of intuition coming to you and you heard it tell you, don't worry, like better things are coming. Just like hang tight. It's going to be okay. When you can trust that, then you have the experience where someone shows up out of nowhere and like, she doesn't fit here, but she invited me for coffee. And if I'm not trusting my intuition, I might be like, oh, she doesn't fit here. And right. so I need to stay away from her. But because you knew something was coming, because you were kind of waiting for it, you were able to follow that path and let it take you to this point that you're in, which is amazing. Yeah, yeah, mm, absolutely. And everybody has that ability inside them. Like, that's one thing that I, I get feedback a lot of times is, People are like, oh, Ashley, you know, you're so amazing to be able to do these things. And, you know, I appreciate that. And, you know, it took some work. So I'm going to pat myself on the back for following my intuition. But everybody has access to intuition because if you're human and you are, you have a subconscious mind and you do. And if you've got a subconscious mind, you've got intuition. And so this is it's a skill that you've got to learn sometimes but it's totally possible for everyone. And it's it's not just like a few elite people who can, you know, learn to be a medium or, you know, what whatever, you know, whatever title yeah. they want to give themselves. Everyone is a spiritual being. Everyone yes. has like these psychic abilities. We all have intuition. Intuition is pretty much like being psychic because you know things without really knowing why sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I just think that we've all been conditioned to seek outside of ourselves. And yeah, when it's, it's kind of been made a bit more glitz and glamour to like, oh, I'll pay someone else to do it for me and I'll follow their steps when really you could just be at home wearing your pajamas, <laughs> hair in a messy bun and just be sat on your floor, like figuring stuff out on your own. Like that's kind of not really how we've been taught to do things, you know? Right. That is like the epitome of spirituality is when you can come home to yourself and trust Mm -hmm. yourself, right? That's everything. All the other stuff is like decoration and fun decoration. I love it. Like I've got crystals Mm -hmm. everywhere. I love my plants, (laughs) all the oils and stuff like that. That's just decoration. It's great. It's just as powerful though, when it's just me by myself on the floor of my parents' house. And I'm like, what should I be eating right now? And I can just trust my intuition and give me the right answer because it always does. And what's funny about the subconscious mind is even though we all have it, we are so not used to knowing how to access it or how to interrupt it and change it. And Mm -hmm. there's that step below it, the unconscious mind, the things that are heavier, more traumatic. And what that can do is it can weigh us down a bit where we almost don't trust the subconscious mind because hinged with some of the the unconscious stuff, some of the things that are fear-based or heavier, which is why I love shadow work. Because the more you clear mm-hmm. that stuff out, the easier it is to access the subconscious, the easier it is to access your intuition. Right, yes, yes. That, that makes a ton of sense. Um, and another thing that intuition can help you do and like accessing the shadow work and stuff is one thing my intuition led me to do was to see a therapist. So my intuition alone in my house is like, you need a therapist, but also it was giving me an action step to talk to somebody. But when I go to the therapist to do the shadow work, 
I don't check my mind at the door. I don't check my intuition at the door. I listen to what they're saying and I respect them as an expert who's giving me new information. But as I'm taking in that new information, I'm filtering it through my intuition. So you're able to have like these really beautiful partnerships with people like coaches and therapists and uh, things like that. Um, because you can learn new information, your intuition can lead you to that person that will give you that information. But it's never for the purpose of like, okay, now set your intuition down, listen up. It's more of a, now let's have a relationship with this and, you know, take the pieces that are for you and leave the ones that are not. Yeah, it's true. Like everything that we learn, all these relationships that we have, they can kind of expand us, but it's about expanding us not about taking on someone else's personality, not about trusting in them like their word is everything. I even do it with my own, the mentors that I follow or like even just the people that I read about online. Like we've talked about before, I love Joe Dispenza. I love, um, oh geez, now I'm not gonna remember her name, Dolores Cannon, uh, Dr. Brian Weiss, like all the stuff that they say is amazing, but I'm not taking everything they say and making it a part of what I do or who I am. I'm just letting it be more information for me. And it's really yeah. important to have that discernment. Yeah, it's like having a filter, right? And taking what you want or what resonates and leaving the rest. And I say this about like human design and astrology. There's some parts of it that can make me feel like a victim or make me just feel like icky. And I'm like, oh no, I don't, like, I don't really wanna live my life like that. So like now I'm just like, I'm gonna take the bits that I like and that resonate with me. And I don't wanna live in fear and I don't wanna live by what someone else is telling me because that might happen because of a certain thing. And, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I could go on about that more, but. <laughs> right, right. And even premonitions with your intuition. So sometimes um, your intuition is telling you about an instance that's right in front of your face. Like you need to turn left instead of right today or do not trust that stranger or whatever it is that can happen but also your intuition can kind of give you some premonitions of you know it's going to be okay something big something good's about to happen or you know something that you know you're not really going to like is going to happen it can give you those premonitions but you still have free will to be able to say you know what that is the path that my intuition is projecting based on everything staying the same um i could have decided that um, you know, I wasn't going to take that leap into the something big, something good. I could have decided, you know, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna allow myself to change, but my intuition was projecting based on where I was in my life that I wanted change. So it was projecting that forward. But if I put on the brakes and was like, nope, I'm not going to change, then that something big, something good wouldn't have happened. The other way is if, you know, there's a um, premonition you get from your intuition that, oh, this is something, you know, really dangerous is going to happen. It could just be a protection thing for you to be like, you know what, I'm going to change and kind of get on a different railroad track so I can avoid that. And my intuition wasn't lying to me. It was just it gave me time to course correct. And so those types of things can also happen with your intuition filter and um so yeah, sometimes what you're listening to from other gurus, some of it is well-intended, but not meant for you, or it is true for them or true for other people, but not true for you, unless you kind of <laughs> shift your path to kind of make that become true because you've redirected yourself. I don't know. I just went on a tangent, but it made sense when I started. I don't know no, if it made I sense agree. when I finished. Yeah, I love <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, I agree. That's really good. So, yeah. I'm glad you went on it. Yeah. 
And this work is so important and so powerful. So for the people who are listening to this, is there one thing that you would say, like one piece of advice that you would offer them about intuition? Mm, yes. Um, I would say trust it. Trust it. It doesn't lie. It never lies. And so because your intuition never lies and you have this massive guidance system inside of you that can lead you to your wildest dreams, make sure you know for sure when it's your intuition speaking, because when it is, you've got to follow that. And if you've got any doubt, that's when you need to understand the dis the difference between intuition and ego. That's when you need to do some work there. But when you know for certain your intuition is speaking and you have come to a place of clarity on that, trust it all day long, every day, no matter if it makes sense or not. Beautiful. I love it. Thank you so much for this. This is amazing. Thank you. Yes. Oh, this is an so honor to fun. have you here. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So for anyone looking to find you and to work with you, especially in your six week intuition course, how can they best find you online? Yeah. So uh, there's two ways you can go to ashleyeaster.com. And that's sort of a mix of my intuition work and my advocacy work for abuse survivors. So you'll find a little bit of both there. Um, but Instagram, that's that's where I'm at with most of my intuition work. Activism is more like Twitter kind of stuff. So Instagram all day, every day. Um, I will be launching another cohort of Intuition Mastery, my six week course. I believe it's gonna be in June. So I don't know exactly when this episode is coming out, but you can be on the lookout for that. And then if you're like, um, I really just like to know the difference between intuition and ego right now. You can get that intuition versus ego toolkit. It's just ashleyeaster.com slash toolkit. Toolkit is like one word and you can download it. There's a little meditation, little ebook, you know, journal prompts, all the things. Amazing. Thank you Amazing. so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your incredible story. Yes. Thank oh, you. My pleasure. Thank you thank so you much. So much. Sending you all love. <laughs> Sending it right back. And thank you to everybody listening. See you next time. Bye.